0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org. Just uh, take a moment just to kind of update you on where we are in the Bible reading uh, marathon. Again, uh, we started that on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. We were so excited. We had, I think, like about three hours worth of city leaders um, that came and participated uh, in that. And so we were really excited uh, to have so much support uh, just from our leaders um, in the community. I just think it says a lot about the kind of leaders we have that are willing to come uh, and give of their time in that way. So we finished up last night. We have, yeah. (laughs) We have never, ever finished that quickly. Um, So my apologies to you today. If you were scheduled to read, um, we don't need you to come and do that because it's done, and you can certainly read at home, and we encourage that, uh, but we're delighted to be able to say that we completed uh, the entire reading um, of the Bible um, out loud. And I just want to just say a couple of things about that that I think are kind of noteworthy about that. I think we had more churches this time participate than we've ever had uh, in the past. So that is a big praise the Lord. There were a lot of people that came that had no idea what we were doing. Uh, Ask us, what are you doing? It gave us an opportunity to kind of share that with them. And I would say, by and large, the vast majority of people were clearly excited. They were supportive. They were glad uh, that we were doing it. Some of them we invited to kind of read. They did. Um, And part of the reason why, for me at least, it's so important to be over- at the courthouse is because again there is just this misunderstanding of this whole notion of you know separation of church and state. Um, and part of the reason why I want to be there is because it confronts, uh, it exposes that lie. Because what we were doing over there in in on on government grounds, you know, courthouse, the federal grounds there, what we were doing there is. It is protected freedom of speech. It is our religious liberties that are being exercised and upheld. And so when people kind of come and and, and and they're confronted with that lie that There's separation. No, that's 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 not true at all. It is an opportunity for that lie to be confronted and exposed Um, there. So the number one. That's why I like doing it over there um, because it it gives us an opportunity again to witness to the, the religious. Freedom that God has given us in this country, and to not be afraid, not to be ashamed of that. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it is a power of God to save. And so we're, we're just trusting that by being there, reading the word again, that witness, we, we don't proselytize, we're not there to confront, we're not there to argue, we're just there to allow the word of God to speak. For itself, and the Bible says that when when God's word is spoken, uh, it will not return to Him void, without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent forth. So we we believe in the power of the word of God. Um, so that's part of the why, the reason why for me it's so important to do that. Uh, where we uh, do that, and I would just like to see us continue uh, to do that because I, I just think it speaks a very powerful uh, message. I also just want to thank Karen Campbell. Um, Karen did like. like Like... Normally, Karen and I try to co-chair this, but a lot of you know with the things with my dad this uh, summer, I I just was not available. Just was not able uh, to be there. Even after my dad passed away, I had a lot of responsibilities. I fell way behind in a lot of uh, things here, and I just was not able to help her do this uh, like I had in in, uh, past years. So I thank uh, Karen, because without her, this would not have happened um, this year. I can guarantee you that. Um, And we are looking for people. It's not a lot of work. It's just a big responsibility trying to organize this. And so if you're interested in helping us to kind of organize this uh, and and get this going uh, next year, see one of us. We would love to just get some more people uh, involved in this going. And and just getting people signed up is really kind of the the biggest part of it, is just getting the word out, getting churches on board. So if that's something that you would like to do, we would love uh, to have your help uh, in in doing this uh, uh, as we uh, go forward. So guys, I just want to just thank Karen uh, for all of her work. And uh, so again, I'm just curious, how many of you here this morning, just by a raise of hands uh, were able to read this year? Look at that. Oh, thank you. Very good. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for showing up. Uh, and and it, it was just phenomenal uh, to, to just hear the stories uh, and just to see the people that came and read this year. So I, I really appreciate that. And, and I know uh, I'm speaking on behalf of Karen, too. She really appreciates everybody showing up. What's amazing is people sign up and they show up. You know, you, you can get people that can sign up and then they'll forget about it or something comes up or better offer. And But man, the people, when they sign up, They show up, um, and it's been that way every year. And that tells us how important this is um, to people, that they will honor that commitment to be there. Some of you you know, kind of came and said, if you need anybody to read, call me. I can come back down and read. And so, again, there was just a lot of dedication to this, and we really, really appreciate that. Last week, we kind of started talking about fear. Uh, and, And again, as the video said, fear is a liar. And that's the number one thing you've got to know about fear. And what we talked about last week was, you know, about 90, I think they've they've, uh, done research on this, and and probably about 90 to 95% of the things you fear or you worry about never come to pass. And and so fear is a liar in that it tries to convince you this is what's going to happen, Um, And and oftentimes it, it never comes to pass. And so we kind of started talking about the ways that fear can kind of affect us how it can affect our relationship with each other, how it can affect our relationship uh, with God. And we were looking at kind of three ways in which God kind of uh, helps us to overcome that barrier of fear in our lives. And the first thing that we kind of talked about that that, um, we need to, to do in order to overcome that barrier of fear is we really need to be able to accept God's love for us. Okay, we could say it this way. We need to know, on a very deep and a personal level, we need to know and experience God's love for us. And as I said last week, that love that God has for us, it is fully, it is holy, it is complete, it is unconditional love always. So if we're going to accept, if we're going to, receive the love that's already there for us in its fullest and allow it to really renew our minds to to transform our our spirit man, uh, our, our inner being, then we have got to understand a little bit about God's love. And the two most powerful things that is gonna bring renewal and transformation into the life of a believer, the first thing is, is to know God. To know something about the nature, the character, the attributes of God, to know God as he truly is. That's the first thing that'll bring transformation. It'll renew your mind. The second thing is you gotta know who you are in Christ. Those two components, who God truly is and who I truly am in him, they are the two most powerful transforming um, agents uh, that we have to know him and to know who we are in him. You'll never ever know, you'll never ever receive, you'll never ever love someone you don't know. And so part of that that love relationship that God is drawing us into is, again, he wants us to know him more and more. And every time we learn something about the true nature of God, and and, and God is infinite, will never, ever exhaust our, our knowledge, our understanding of him. That's what makes eternity so beautiful is it, we're not gonna get there and know everything and then you know, kind of be bored. No, we're gonna get there and, and God's gonna continue to reveal more and more about himself throughout eternity. So every time we learn something, we get a new insight, a new revelation uh, as to who God is, what it does is it begins to bring us into a a place of greater freedom, of greater victory. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. I mentioned this last week. It's not that God has love to give away. God is love. He's the very nature. He is the very stuff of love. And all God knows is love. God can't do anything else but love you because he is love. And nothing will cause you to grow more, to mature more as a believer than to know more and more about who God is and who you are in him. I was in Davenport yesterday and uh, we were cleaning out my dad's house. And one of the things that we found um, was a letter that my mom's younger sister had written when she was probably in high school and the context of the letter was was that my mom's mom and dad were were both uh raging alcoholics um and they both died uh in their 50s uh basically of cirrhosis of the liver and so when all of this was happening, my aunt, my mom's younger sister, was in high school when her mom and dad died, and I was very, very young, but I remember vaguely my aunt coming to live with us until she graduated from high school. And so in that context, she had written um, this letter at Christmas time. I think it was like maybe 10 days before Christmas. And the whole scope of the letter was experiencing her first Christmas without her mom and dad. And what was interesting in that was, you know, as you kind of, it was like a five-page letter. It was very, very detailed. Um, But as I'm reading through the letter, what I I kept encountering were these half-truths about God. And that's okay, we're all there. I mean, all of us have half-truths about God. There there are things we know about God, there are things that we know about God that are not true, and there are things about God that we are going to come to know as we continue to pursue him. So I'm I'm not faulting her in any way, I'm just acknowledging what we all do. And so there were these half-truths in there about God. Now, the problem for her was, was she never did anything to really ever grow, to come to know God, that God could ever correct or, or teach or enlighten or give her revelation into a greater and a clearer, better understanding of who she was. And it was interesting because um, my aunt died a little over a year ago, and I did her her funeral. And I had had many opportunities to uh, talk with her, to pray with her, uh, up until the time that she died. And what was interesting was, I was confronting the same half-truths at the end of her life that were there in that letter. That's my point. If we do not grow, if we're not pursuing a knowledge of who he is, if we're not growing in that, the the, the half-truths will continue to be half-truths. And it's gonna limit us in, in our understanding. It's gonna limit us in our growth. It's gonna limit us in our relationship with God. And so again, this is why this is so important. It's something that I try to do every time I come into the pulpit. I want you to understand a little bit more about who God is. I wanna try to be able to confront, for me, for you, for all of us, again, some of those half-truths. So that they don't continue to lead us into places of fear, uh, of anxiety, of darkness. Uh, Again, this is so important. And we always want to be trying to tell people who they are um, in Christ. So when we talk about the love of God, what does that love look like? Because the mistake many of us make is is when it comes to God, we kind of take every human emotion, whether we're talking about love or uh, patience or kindness or goodness, we take any kind of uh, feelings, attributes, uh, emotions that, that we have, how we understand those emotions, attributes, characteristics, how they have affected us, how we experience that, and then we kind of take that and we project that onto God. This is what love is like for me. That must be what love is like for God. Um, and so, while the, the you know the love that is expressed between you know spouses and and uh, between parents and children, the love that can be expressed between friends, while that can be very very powerful and and, and life changing, we also have to understand that that human love is imperfect, it's incomplete, it's very very unpredictable. But when it comes to the love of God, God's love is anything but that. We can't define agape love solely from our position, our understanding, our experience, and then just transport that or translate that onto God. If we're really going to truly understand what the love of God looks like, how we're to experience that, how to walk in the fullness of that, we've got to see it to understand it and allow God to define that for us from his perspective, from his understanding, from his experience, that that would be transferred, imputed onto us. God's love is perfect. It is unconditional, it is unchanging. 1 Corinthians 13, it's one of the best places. If you really want to understand and know something of the love of God, it's one of the best places in all of scripture to go. Because there Paul really begins to kind of define and unfold in ways I think we can begin to understand and grow from what the love of God looks like. And, 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 you know, for most of us, we kind of, you know, the the number one setting that we hear 1 Corinthians 13 talked about is where? Weddings, yeah. And so if you've ever gone to a wedding and you've heard 1 Corinthians 13 at pretty much every wedding you go to, you kind of just begin to think that the love they're talking about must be the love that's being expressed between a husband and a wife. It's not. There is a love for that, Um, But the love, the word Paul uses there in 1 Corinthians 13 is agape. That is the love that God has for us. It is the God kind of love. Paul says, if you really want to understand the love of God, here it is. And then Paul kind of begins to unveil that. He says, love, agape love, God's love is patient. It's kind. God's love doesn't keep a record of wrong. God's love, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's not boastful. Paul says, God's love, it doesn't rejoice in evil, it rejoices in the truth. Paul said, God's love never fails. I fail, you fail, we all fail. We fail ourselves, we fail each other, we fail God, but the one thing that never ever fails is God's love. And so if you really want to begin to understand the love of God, you kind of begin to get in there and and you kind of just begin to say, okay, God, help me to understand what all this looks like. What is, how how could I experience um, this from your perspective? God's love never fails because if it did, God would fail. And because God can't fail, it's impossible for God to fail simply because of who he is, his love will never fail you. It may confuse you at times, but it'll never, ever fail you. It'll amaze you at times. How many of you see people or maybe you know people in your life And you know them. And you're just thinking to yourself, there's no way God could love them. I know them. (laughs) I've grown up around them. I'm married to him, to her. There's no way God could love. And, And so oftentimes, again, God's love, it is confusing. It's surprising. It's amazing. But it never fails, us or anyone else. So when you take all that is kind of described and laid out there in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul's describing and trying to just give us a a, a taste, a sampling of what the love of God is like, and you just begin to apply that to yourself. This is how God sees, feels towards me. It just begins to drive that fear out because 1 John 4, we talked about this last week, perfect love, it drives out fear because fear involves punishment. Part of the reason why we fear God is because we're afraid of what God's going to do to us, what God might do to us if we were to ever come to him. If we were to ever repent, oh my goodness, we're scared to death of what God would do. And again, the writer in 1 in, in John, says that's evidence that you really don't understand the love of God because that's not what the love of God does. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Are some of you hearing this? You are keeping a record of all of the wrong things you have done. Some of you are keeping a record of all of the wrong things other people have done to you. And you take that and you transfer that onto God. And Paul's saying, no, God is not like that. He keeps no record of wrong. And he's always available to forgive, to redeem. His love never fails. God's love for us is uninfluenced. By that, I mean there's nothing in us, any of us, I don't care how great of a person you are, how long you've been a Christian, how deeply you walk in the things of God today. There is nothing in any of us that causes or inspires or moves God to love us. There's nothing we could ever hope to do or not do that's gonna influence or motivate God to love us, as a matter of fact, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, there is in every one of us many things that rightly could repel God from ever loving or wanting anything to do with us. But because God is love, that's all God knows, it's all God can do Nothing in us, no matter how good or bad, how small, how great, will influence. It's not going to move. It's not going to change. It's not going to inspire God to love you any more than he already loves you because his love for you is already at its greatest. God can't love you any more than he already does because it's already at its fullest for you. And this is what Paul's referring to in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, like the rest. and, And Paul's there, he's referring to sinful humanity. He said, like the rest of us. We were by nature objects of wrath. But because of God's great love for us. And that great love for us is that same love that Jesus talked about in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. That's the kind of love. God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, our sins. It is by grace you have been saved in that passage it's it's talking to us the love of god the mercy of god the grace of god which are all characters and attributes of who god is so again i tell you there's nothing in any of us that influences moves inspires god to love us his choice to love us unconditionally fully wholly, completely is motivated by who he is period Ending. So if there's nothing we can do to cause him to love us, there's nothing we can do to cause him to not love us. So again, when you begin to understand and you begin to confront those lies and you begin to kind of experience and walk in the fullness of the love that God has for you, fear begins to lose its power over us. When you open yourself again to love, to experience, to know on a personal level his love for you, it will change the way you see yourself, the way you see him, and the way you see others. That's part of that transformation that God wants to do in each and every one of us. So God, through his word, again, one of the primary vehicles through which God has revealed himself to us is through his word, through his spirit. He wants you and I to know his great love for us because, again, once you begin to understand how much you are loved, cherish how much you are the delight of God, fear will begin to be driven out of your life. First John, again, 4.18 says, where God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love, it just drives fear out. So second step that we need to take to overcome the barrier of fear uh, in our lives is we gotta believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you remember the first words, and don't, oh, don't go to that screen yet, Carol, hold, hold that for me. How many of you know the first words that um, the angel said um, after Jesus rose from the dead? Fear not. Yeah, you can go to it now, Carol, they knew. <laughs> I, was, I thought maybe I was gonna stump some of you. Yeah. First two words that, that the angel said after Jesus rose again, fear not. What were the first words Jesus said after he rose from the dead? Fear not. What were the first words the disciples heard Jesus say when he met them as a group there in the upper room? Fear not. Yeah. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that overcomes and has the ability to conquer the fear you and I may have about death. And let me tell you, every one of us in this room at some level fear death. There are people who are enslaved to the fear of death. There are people who are obsessed by the prospect of their own or the death of others. Most people, we don't like to think about death. We don't want to talk about death. And yet it's something every one of us is going to face unless and until Jesus returns. And part of the reason why we really want to shy away from this whole topic of death is because it's really foreign to the way that God created humanity there in the beginning. Genesis 2-7 says, And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground. And then God blew in or he breathed into uh, the nostrils of that, of that clay dirt, that clay sculpture. And, and, it, and it says, and into that man came the breath of life and the man became a living being. And that living being that God breathed his very breath of life into was meant to never die that was God's original creation, was when you became a living person, you would never die. Ecclesiastes 3.11 kind of firms that by saying that God has set eternity into the hearts of man. There is in all of us, in our heart, in our, our spirit person, in our innermost being, there is this sense of eternity. There is this sense you may not understand what it it is all about, but there is in you this innate sense, I was meant to live forever. I was never meant to die. Because God has set eternity in the hearts of man. And that's one thing that sets us apart from animals. Animals, they don't have the mental capacity to think about eternity, whereas human beings do because God has placed that sense of eternity into our very being. So not only do we have the evidence that that we were created, we were designed, we were meant by God from the very beginning to live forever, it's also kind of reinforced in our hearts, in our, our spirit man. It was only when Adam and Eve sinned that death became a part of the human experience and our bodies will die, but it doesn't change the reality that eternity is still kind of there in our hearts. We know we were created. We were designed by God to live forever. And that's why death is such an affront. It's why we don't want to talk about it. It's why we don't want to face it. And one of the reasons people fear death is because, again, we weren't created for this. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when Jesus Christ comes back again, one of the things that Jesus is going to do is he is going to put a finality to death. There'll be no more dying. Death is an enemy because it seeks to instill fear within us, whereas God, again, in his perfect love, wants to drive that fear out. I'll never forget, and and I'm sure many of you would have a similar story. I'll never, ever forget the first time I saw a dead person at a funeral. It freaked me out. It really scared me. And looking back on that experience, the reason it it, it did what it did to me was because it was the very first time that I think I ever confronted my own mortality. It was the first time I realized I am going to die someday. And I didn't know anything about death. I was very young I didn't know what happened. I I mean, I I just had all kinds of questions and all kinds of fear, you know. How would I die? When would I die? What would be the circumstances under it? And all of these questions and scenarios just really began to flood my mind, and I was completely overwhelmed by the thought of dying and my complete lack of control to do anything about it. There was no way to get out of that. And I just remember the fear that came over me. I remember the first time somebody asked me to carry a casket. I was like, no way, I'm not touching that thing. I mean, my fear was, you know, like a hand was going to come out of there. I mean, I had watched enough movies for that one. No, thank you. But man, at every point in our lives, we confront our own Mortality, and for a lot of people, death is a very, very scary thing. Again, it is only because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that has the power to deliver us from that fear of death. Jesus said, You know what? It's okay. I've gone into death, I've conquered death, I've come out with an existence in which death is no longer a possibility, and I am going to give you a resurrected, glorified body like mine. It is that that has delivered me from the fear of death. Now I still, you know, wonder, question, think about, you know, when will I die, how will I die, you know, all of those things, but I just come at it from a perspective of no fear. And that's what God wants to deliver you of. He wants to deliver you of that fear. And it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that can deliver us from the power of fear death has over us. Um, I want to just say one more thing, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, be done here. Um, I know maybe a lot of you that maybe are read things, and, and we find prominent you know, Christian leaders, I think of Josh Harris, who wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, uh, went on to become a pastor and has since now renounced his faith. I know that there was a singer through Hillsong, Marty Sampson, um, you know, that was really a, a worship leader leading many um, into faith, you know, and, and he has kind of renounced um, his faith. I don't think any of us that, that have taken our faith serious are going to deny that there, we don't have questions that we don't have doubts. I have lots of questions. There are lots of things I don't understand. And the one thing I've kinda learned in my walk with God is the more I understand about him, the more questions I have. And that's okay. That, to me, that's exciting. It's, it's really part of that that draws me into that relationship with Christ. But I'm gonna tell you the one thing No matter how deep my doubts, my questions, my wonderings may be, I always, 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 always come back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead as my foundation. I may not be sure about anything else, but I know that he lived, I know that he died, I know he was resurrected three days later. I know that. And I have chosen to make that the foundation upon which I build. And no matter what thoughts, what confusion, what doubts, what questions, no matter how difficult they are for me. And there are difficult questions in the Christian faith. There are things that, that I don't understand. But the one thing I come back to always is, he is alive. Yay. All right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that, again, you are alive. You are resurrected. You are glorified. You are ascended, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And Lord, this morning, we put our faith and our trust there. And Father, we thank you that it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that not only gives us the assurance of of forgiveness, of eternal life, but Father, it also has the power to deliver us from the fear of death. And Father, I speak to that fear of death in this room here this morning. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the resurrected name of Jesus Christ, fear of death, we rebuke you. We thank you for the perfect love of God that was manifested and seen in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, it is that perfect love that delivers us, that drives any and all fear, especially the fear of death. So Father, I just again pray if there are any here this morning that don't know you, that have that fear of death, that Father, they can know you They can experience your love deeply, personally, intimately this morning because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He took our place. He took our sins. He became unrighteousness for us that we might become righteousness in him. And we thank you for that, and we stand by faith upon his righteousness, his sacrifice for us. And we thank you for that this morning. And Father, I just pray for those that just need that truth. That revelation of your great love, that you loved them so much, so deeply, so completely, so wholly, so unconditionally, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, for them. And that, Father, when we just call upon the name of Jesus when we just put our faith and trust in him, who he is and what he has done for us, that, Father, we find forgiveness. We find eternal life. We find salvation. We find healing. We find deliverance. It's a treasure chest. So, Father, this morning, again, we just thank you for that. I also pray, Father, that in the today, in the coming weeks, that, God, you would open the eyes of our heart that you would enlighten our understanding, God, that we would know something more about you today than we knew about you an hour ago, yesterday. Tomorrow, we're gonna know something new about who you are and who we are in your Son, Jesus Christ. Our Father, again, I just release that revelation, that light, that illumination into the body of Christ this morning, It's your heart, it's your desire to reveal yourself to us, that we would know you more intimately, more deeply, and that in that knowledge, God, that we would begin to walk in truth, in power, in authority as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Father, we thank you for that this morning, and we thank you for your love, which knows no end. And we thank you that we can experience that this morning, in Jesus' name we pray. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praycc.org. Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.